Charlie Johnson, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, pleasure to be here. Really Absolutely. Excited. Amazing to have you. I want to start by talking about the people that you've transformed the lives for. So you've transformed the lives of over 8,000 men and women. You were named Forbes is one of the top three coaches in the world. And you've just received your second two comma club from Russell Brunson. Right? We can't gloss over that one because that means you've done over a million a year through your funnel twice, which is unreal. My question is, what happened in the past that will help me understand the journey that you've been on and who you are today? I would say thinking I failed life at 21 when I didn't, I came back from doing a ski season. All my friends were coming out of university, getting good jobs. I had no degree, pretty shabby A-levels and went into an estate agency job making 12 grand a year as a basic salary thinking I'd failed at life. That gave me a lot of perspective. And what I think is interesting now with perspective is I look back and thinking that I wouldn't be the person I am now if those things hadn't happened. And if I'd gone into the system of maybe university degree and a corporate job, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so why did you think, what you failed at? What was wrong? Um, I think that I realized that maybe I had missed a trick in terms of getting an official degree and that maybe was going to hold me back in terms of my potential because I didn't realize like in 2000, when was that? 2010, I show my age. There wasn't necessarily um, online businesses as much or as such as there are now. There was a big barrier to entry in terms of starting your own business. So if you're 21, 22 years old and you're ambitious and you're young and you want to make money, but you've got no real experience, you've got limited skills to some degree, where do you go? Mm. And for me, I remember it to this day when I, the time I applied for this job, I came back from the gym. A friend of mine had got a uh, job as an estate agent, actually at Night Frank. And I was like, that must be the thing. He gets to wear a suit. He's got a decent car. I was like, I'll go and do that. So I, I think I went like read or whatever it was, searched uh, estate agent jobs in my area. And it wasn't even a funnier story is I wouldn't have applied for this job um, if I'd known the location it was in because I lived in a place called Epsom. And it said Walton, and I thought it meant Walton on the hill, and it wasn't, it was Walton on Thames, which was another town, it was like an hour drive away. And I thought, I'll just go and I'll take the interview. <laughs> and ironically, I actually got the job. And on the way there to my first day, it took me an hour and a half to get the commuting, and I was late. And I nearly quit in the car on the way there, like, oh, fuck, this can't be bothered. And uh, maybe even if I'd made that decision to quit then, like life would have been very different, and it's just funny how things work out. Isn't it? It's so funny. Okay, so... You were already into the gym, right? And I think you were into sports during your yeah. teenage years. So how did you, did you fall out of love with sport or did you just think sport's not the way that I can see myself going through my career? Um, sports, unless you're going to play at that top 1% level is not going to support you to be successful and provide for a family and be the man you probably really need to be. And I really understood that and I knew I wasn't going to go pro at anything. So I was very aware of how far I could take that. So I needed to find another vehicle. Um, and by vehicle, a business opportunity or a way to like learn skills and make money. And I say for anyone listening to this who's maybe in that position I was back then, I didn't realize how lucky I was to be exposed to the people who actually ran that business, who when I joined, who were two uh, really hardworking guys, entrepreneurs, very successful. Um, they actually ended up selling that business, I think, for six million pounds to a, a corporate company. Um, but I got to see how they ran a business every single day and how they operated to get the most out of people. And I think that's why I learned a huge amount of skills and I was paid to do that, that I'm now reaping the benefits from further down the line. Mm. And so at what point did you go, okay, you know, I, I can do real estate agency. I'm doing pretty well. I'm learning a lot, but now I should 
take the next step or do something different? What was that journey? Um, I was always looking for opportunities. So, and what's the next thing? And I always wanted to escape because I knew I'd got into the bubble that everyone has of like the nine to five or in my situation, eight to 6.30 lifestyle um, where I was earning reasonable money, but it was never really going to go anywhere. And I was just pigeonholed into a box. Now, what I used to do, I remember distinctly, I used to drive around in my leased Mercedes back then and uh, listen to Gary Vaynerchuk and Grant Cardone, like podcasts okay, all day yeah, long. Because yeah, yeah. all I was trying to do was just, I was like trying to learn sales, like how to make money from Grant Cardone. And then Gary V in terms of um, basically social media marketing, how to build an audience, uh, how social media really worked. And in my brain, it's like, I'm going to amalgamate both the two together. And then I just needed the vehicle of what to put, put them in. And then I saw what was happening social media and fitness. And I had a background of fitness anyway. So then I was like, this is the golden goose opportunity I need to jump on. And I started to go into that. And I remember this is what happens to a lot of people when they try and change to do something new. People were literally saying to me, like, who the fuck does Charlie think he is? Why is he posting this type of stuff on the internet? Why is he posting topless photos? Like, who does he think he is? Um, and I know those people, who those people were. And I remember seeing one of them maybe two, three years ago. And you know when you, like, look at someone and no one needs to say anything, but like they know and you know, and that's like, for me, I was like, like two things then. Um, but the biggest thing that comes from that is the amount of times that something could maybe potentially stop me from achieving what I want, but I just had to be ruthless and like tunnel visioned in terms of like seeing it through to the end. I think that yeah, that's brilliant. It's the best way to do it, isn't it? And there's so much to unpack that. I want to get into the business stuff in a moment, but I, I want to keep digging into why fitness? Why sport? What did you like about it? What did it give you? And what were the, the difficulties that you had in health and fitness when you were, you know, before you became an estate agent? That sort of your teenage years, I guess. Um, so when I was younger, I used to struggle with being overweight. I had a lot of, I then got back into rugby, trying to get back into shape, and I had no clue about nutrition. So like back then, there wasn't really social media, no one really knew what you're supposed to do. And I remember I had a weird phase who like I didn't like drinking water, so I used to drink orange juice all day long. I said like shitloads of sugar. So um, there was weird things that used to do and they used to set me up for failure. And I also had uh, other like biomechanics issues in terms of really fat feet, which caused me a lot of issues in terms of I was playing rugby with injuries. But the reality is for me, I the thing I love from fitness and why it's made me very successful in business is fitness is the easiest thing to be very successful in because you control what you eat, you control what you do every day. There's no external things really affecting your own results. Whereas in business, there's loads of other things that can happen, mm -hmm. right? So like COVID can happen, the economy can tank, a new software could come out and replace you. Like, But fitness, you control everything. So for me, it's like, I really understood, okay, this is something I can completely control. And then the, the big thing that happened that completely changed my life is I actually got someone to coach me. So to help me in terms of nutrition, in terms of training. I got in really good shape. I did a photo shoot like before other people used to do that. And I was like, this is the secret. If you want to go far, really fast, pay someone who's done the thing, can teach you to do the thing, you get the end result, ta-da. And I was like, so all I have to do then is pay someone who knows what to do and just execute what they tell me to do and I get the end result. And that's been like the feedback loop in my brain ever since. And the same thing I've basically done throughout my whole business career is like who, not how. So instead of me thinking, how do I generate 100 leads is like who can i hire to, can teach me to get 100 leads a day i, I really like that and I, I doing this podcast and meeting people like you like people that have done well always make it as simple as possible and the same in my old corporate jobs i've spoken about this this week high level strategy is simple it's the low level strategy that people get sort of stuck with they're trying to look for those magic pills they're looking at those shortcuts but actually it's simple and there's an African proverb which says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, which is exactly what you just said. I don't think people don't 
they don't do that enough. They don't say, who can I have to teach me? And you did that from an early age, right, to get yourself into the fit sort of position. And it's interesting that, you know, when people get into incredible shape and make money from it, it tends to be because there was something that makes them go, I want to change my, how I look, how I feel in my body. And then you start to look at that and bring that towards business as well. Not everyone does that business side, but it's interesting to hear that you've gone through that journey and then literally applied it into business. I think that's really cool. So whilst you're at the estate agents, at what point did you go, right, I need to now look at my business brain because real estate agency has got an entrepreneurial flair into it, right? Because you're commission-based, a lot of it. So you've still got to make your money off your own back. So at what point did you go, okay, I'm making money for someone else and now I want to make money for myself and I can start to make that pivot towards Charlie making money, not the company making money? I um, had always wanted to actually do that to make money. So I remember even trying things like Forex trading, all that types of stuff. And like I made it money and then I lost it all and like all that type yeah. of stuff. And, and actually a side note in terms of how I was successful as an estate agent at the beginning, um, I became the manager of a branch making like a million pounds a year when I was like 23, maybe it was retarded when I look back at it. And basically actually how I got ahead was like, I worked out the system of like, what's the game? So like business is all to do with like leading indicators, right? So like if you're an estate agent, for example, it's like booking viewings, like good quality viewings. Uh, in my fitness business, it would be booking like good quality sales calls with fitness prospects. So I'd identified that all the leads came into the central computer and reception every day. Um, that would basically be the hot leads from right move, whatever. So what I would do is I'd get in before anyone else, take all the good leads from the computer, and then I would automatically win. That was the highest performing sales consultant they had by mile. Um, and that's how I became the manager. So <laughs> I've always thought outside of the box of like, how can I solve this problem? Or like, what is this, what is this, like, what problem does this solve? Which is when most people don't really think um, when it comes to business or anything generally. But in terms of, uh, business acumen in terms of me thinking outside the box of like stepping outside of that. I think the penny really dropped the first time I had someone pay me any money for fitness coaching. And I look back and I was charging 40 pounds a month and making like Word document PDFs and sending them to people. And I think we spoke about this outside, but it's like people like worry too much. It's like just sell the thing and figure the rest out later. And that's always been my like motto of what we've done. Even with the, the business mastermind, we have seven-figure scaling systems. I did the same thing. I sat down for like 15 minutes, had a coffee. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to call it. This is like deliverables and just started selling it. And then obviously it's evolved a lot since then. But people truly try and overcomplicate things. And the biggest problem I see in business is people spend so long building the perfect product, yet they can never actually sell it. So like you need to have product market fit to actually make sure someone wants a thing before you spend like your whole life trying to build it. I think that's so key. And do you know what? So many people say an, a, a variant of that, but it's so much harder said than done for someone who's like, I don't know, maybe gone through the normal system. They've had a job or they've gone to uni or they've been taught to overthink and analyze because their job is going to be as part of a jigsaw in a wider organization. Mm. Whereas when you go, you're on your own, you almost haven't been tainted by that system. It's like, well, it is simple, isn't it? And if I just do this, this and this, you nail it. Well, I think it's you don't have cognitive bias, right? So, like, True. I remember even for example, in the state agency days, we keep using this example, but um, we'd have people come in who were like sales negotiators who would be better than experienced people because they wouldn't have a preconceived idea of like, no, no, no they wouldn't like that property. No, 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 they won't buy that. Whereas, like, you should always just ask the question because you never know sometimes what people will go for. Mm. 
I think, well, distance mm. from anything is going to be helpful, right? You see, you see, you know, you speak to like some business consultants and if you just start questioning them, they haven't got much of an idea. But when they go to a business, they can make impactful change because they're, they haven't got that bias. It's yeah. exactly what you're saying. That's really interesting. So when you look at working with a new PT client, how can you go in without that preconceived conception or perception of what you need to do for them? Do you have that that? That, un, that unbiased way of looking at it? Or do you know, this is what I'm going to do for you because this works? Um, for fitness, I say, and the fitness clients who work with, I say it's different. I'd say there's a much more of a, a stereotype type of person because it's like the body's very simple in terms of the way it works, a lot of degrees. Because like we said earlier, there's business, there's external factors, mm -hmm. and there's a lot more variability. Whereas if you've got a 35-year-old male who's white Caucasian from London and he eats a normal diet and he goes to the gym three times a week, there's probably a, a variance of how much difference you're going to need to give him whereas if you look to different businesses tend to vary more so i'd say um in fitness i don't think it matters so much but i would say in our business mastermind when we look at people's businesses there's even probably more variation in that because people would target different niches have maybe different backstory themselves different strengths and different social media platforms so for example if someone's looking to sell fitness programs use that example and they've got a huge following on YouTube, you wouldn't suggest them to like put all their eggs into maybe Instagram lead generation yeah. as an example. Okay, so let's let's take you back to the estate agents. So you're the manager, doing, you're, doing, you're making a lot of money and you're happy, but you're, you've still got that little itch you want to scratch of, I could be doing this all for me rather than for a business, right? So what's the first steps you started to take? You said you started posting online, you maybe had some clients yeah. before you left. What, how did that sort of start to manifest? Uh, so I just started to build up my social media presence, started to generate clients. I was even coaching people who like worked in my office where I was managing all like their partners and weird stuff like that. And that really just steamed rolled from there. And at the point I probably could have left my job six to 12 months earlier, but I was too afraid to jump ship till it got to the point where I was like, I remember the 2018, I competed in two bodybuilding shows, training twice a day, was managing like 200 online clients and working full time. Um, and like people say to me now, you don't have time. It's like, you're just not prioritizing your time or using your time efficiently. And I think that's where your ability to then at some periods of your life, like go to like level 10 in terms of how much you can put your, push yourself is important because when you come back to normality or you have less of a workload, it's then very comfortable. And I think what I see a lot of people say in the gym or even in entrepreneurship, most people don't push themselves far enough to like, extreme fatigue so that they always think they're tired but they don't really realize there's another level they can go to if they really need to mm. yeah i think that's that's really really true and in any of that journey did you feel imposter syndrome or burnout what was your relationship um, with sort of those emotions or all the time and i would say for anyone listening to that i said and you're going through that i say that's completely normal and it's good and i think if you don't feel anxious and you don't feel slightly paranoid that things are going to fail and you don't feel imposter syndrome, you probably don't care enough. I would say I still probably get overwhelmed maybe two days a week now of like having too much on my plate to manage, but that's because I'm really trying to push to get to the next level because I don't want to be comfortable. And I think um, people just need to understand there's maybe seasons of life and the way I look at it is I'm in a season of achieving at the moment, just trying to really take things up and then when I want to have a season of maybe not trying to push as much, then I can do that. And I think understanding where you are in that spectrum is an important thing. But I think overwhelming anxiety is often down to uh, a lack of certainty and not really knowing what you're trying to do 
or also like what are the core values of who you are and what you want. So I know for me, for example, the three biggest values for me is uh, business wealth creation, second is fitness and third is travel. So as long as I have like alignment in terms of what I'm doing every day towards those three things, I'll be happy and like jump out of bed, not jump out of bed, but I'll be happy and can keep going. Mm. And I think in terms of where people like feel overwhelmed and tired and struggle with work-life balance is like, use your brain. If you feel tired, maybe have a day where you go to the beach if you live in Dubai for half a day mm. or take two days off, like use some common sense. And I think what's difficult is we live in a society in terms of entrepreneurships now, and this is really, really weird in terms of the framework of that you set up your own business so you get time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom. You start the business, you get success. You then correlate that the input of your work correlates the output of the business in terms of results. So then you think you have to put more input in to get more output and then you get stuck in this hamster wheel of grinding yourself to death. And I've been through that phase and I say the most important thing for people listening to this is you need to actually start to like remove yourself from the business and hire people. And then you can work as like the puppet master to actually build it faster and actually get what you wanted from the business the first time, which is probably gonna be the time and location freedom. Mm. And as uh, to use that as a reference, you said before we started this, you're quite into like vision boarding and mm. your, your background, your phone is the things you're gonna do next and achieve next. How important is that to you in terms of stopping yourself from burning out or going a little bit too far? You know, you've got that goal of one of your three values to look at or to work towards. Uh, huge because it keeps you aligned with the decisions you make every day. I'll give an example. I have an investing strategy for the f next four to six months in crypto, and I nearly got impulse by by nearly impulse bought a house three four days ago because I got offered a house and it was a really good investment deal. And I was like, oh, I should definitely take. And I was so close. And I was like, stick to the plan, stick to the plan. But like, and this is where you have to plan and strategize things, and also think that um, I could have gone and bought the house and I could have done the other stuff. But I was like, it's probably going to stretch me. And also, I'm going on holiday for like three weeks and two days. I don't want to be overly stressed for the next three weeks in case work is a bit slower. So sometimes understanding that business is a long-term game, don't put all your eggs into one basket like and blow yourself out of the gate just trying to be greedy and go too quick. You have to look at some type of continuity. Um, and that really comes down to the values of what you want and understanding like the compound effect, right? Like As long as you're still going in the right direction, mm -hmm. you're eventually going to get to where you want to be. Whether it takes you three months longer or six months longer, like if you wanted to get to say $10 million net worth and it took you an extra six months and you maybe enjoy the ride a bit more, it's not too much of an issue. It's really a cool way to look at it though, because most people would say, you know, either you work really hard and completely grind yourself out or you get the other person, kind of person that goes, really set your boundaries, understand your red flags and like never go too close to them. And you're basically saying you're setting your boundaries, but you understand that you can make them bigger for a, for a period of time to achieve that growth. And then you can reset. And that's how I'm sort of interpreting what you're saying, which makes complete sense. And you can see why you'd have ongoing sustainable growth from doing that. Is that the sort of similar um, way you think about it? I think in like sprints. So sure. um, this sounds really weird, but I know Iman Ghazi talks about like monk mode. And I always think about it as like war mode because I, I sound like think business is like war. Yeah. And my girlfriend Charlie said to me, I, remember, I said something about work and she's like, you're not going to war. I was like, but I am. <laughs> um, and the reality is that when you think about it, what I try and do is like, say from when I came back from the US in the summer, I think I came back 2nd of September. I was like, okay, cool. So you got from 2nd of September until end of November. It's like game on. Like how much can we do in this period? Because I knew I'm going away to the US again for three weeks. Uh, I always like try to chunk it up into blocks. I know in my head, okay, this is where I am at. Next like 
14 to 16 weeks we're going all in and then you can have a bit of a break for two three weeks and then come start january i'll be off again and yeah. for me that's worked really well as a cycle is that i've also got something to look forward to like a trip or whatever it might be that comes back to my core value of what i like of traveling um, and also has like fitness and other stuff involved in it that is almost like the carrot at the end that i'm working towards and that's constantly pulling me forwards and i think the more people can structure their days weeks months and years like that the more success you'll have because you just need to have almost your calendar congruent with your values to be successful. I really, I think sprints are brilliant. I think the way to use to work is definitely to use sprints. I want to ask you about when you first started posting online as just as an example, growing a business, whatever you want to call it, what made you think or what helped you to stand out in quite a saturated industry, right? Um, trying to be different. So I would say, try not to use the word degenerate but i'm gonna say it. most people <laughs> in fitness can't speak very well and aren't very well spoken i was fortunate i went to private school um i'm slightly different in that respect american people love english people yeah. so that helped i always had like another thing i'm like weird superstition right like we talked about this bracelet so when i started my fitness business i think i dyed my hair blonde in like 2018 i started being really successful so i was like i have to keep blonde hair thing it makes <laughs> it stand out it's just trying to find a way to be different but I also distinctly remember listening to like Gary Vaynerchuk talking about um, jab, jab, right hooks. Like yeah. just give as much value as you can, people will come to you. It's a bit like Alex Hormozzi talks about now. All he talks about is giving as much value away. And then it's the law of reciprocity. And that's almost all I did from the beginning. And then combine that with the fact of like, you're the highest level authority because you've done the thing and you've taught other people to do the thing. And at that point, you're, it's irrefutable. You know what you're doing and you're an authority. Yeah. I mean, just as you say there, Alex Mosey just talks about jab, 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 and just mm. keep saying jab, doesn't he? He's like, just mm. give, and then one day they'll come back to you. And I don't think that's quite right from what we were saying earlier, right? You've got to have that perfect offer as well. Yeah. But it makes what you're saying makes sense in this day and age, doesn't it? Your approach, you were just going to say then, you're talking about what you did differently. I was going to say, your approach, I think, is really different. I said to you a minute ago, I think you're one of the first people that took that no nonsense approach to health and fitness. Uh, I'm very direct and no bullshit. And that's just the way I am with yeah, everything. Because that's how you that's how you achieve though, isn't it? It's like mm. there's a million excuses, but like you said, there's nothing else really getting in your way of health and fitness apart from you. So th I think that's really interesting. And I wonder if from doing those 60, 70, 80 hour weeks in the real estate world, did that help you in your fitness business to take that approach? Because you were like, I know how hard it is, how many hours it takes to go in, how, how much you know stuff I'm gonna to have to go through. And in fitness, it is actually simple. And I can tell you how simple it is. Fitness is so easy that people don't understand. <laughs> and it's literally just turn up and do the thing and just do what you're supposed to do and you get the result. And for me, not only should be ruled by fear, but one of the things I introduced up on my like Trello vision board is a picture of a, a suit and a tie. And it's to remind me to never go back to where I came from. And I think the day I left my stage, I don't think I've ever worn a suit since. Um, and for me, not you should necessarily be driven by pain and fear, but it's just a reminder of like, I used to work eight to 6.30 and commute an hour each way. It's like, I don't have life that bad when I roll out of bed and just go sit in my office overlooking Dubai Marina. I think I have to work a lot. <laughs> it's like perspective of hard. Yeah. Um, and I think that sometimes we can lose that as entrepreneurs, as your business grows, you lose the perspective of reality, which actually is one of the other reasons why I like traveling, in particular if you live in Dubai, that's a weird bubble it gives you different perspectives of other parts of the world, which I think makes you a more well-rounded human being. 
Mm. I think that's really, it's a really good way of looking at it, isn't it, as well? Because also a lot of people are in the position that, that, that you know, they can do those different things when they're the early stages of their business. And you're listening now, maybe you're like, oh, it'd be really good if I could just, you know, do these things we're talking about. But actually, there is still ways you can do it, right? There's still sort of formulas where you can grow in certain ways and you can have people help you with outsourcing bits or you can make stuff more efficient. We were speaking to Daniel Priestley earlier and he was talking about people are using AI wrong. You know, you could have a, a business plan, uh, you know, a, a landing page, an acquisition plan, everything done in 15 minutes. But people are using AI to help write their Instagram captions. It's the wrong way of using it, isn't it? And I guess that's kind of leads on to my next question, which I think you're perfectly positioned to answer, which is how do we cut through the misinformation in the I guess the, I'm going to say the creator world because it is the business world, the health and fitness world massively, but just the internet. There is so much misinformation. How do people cut through that now? I couldn't agree any more than that. And I th I'm not going to say I'm disillusioned, but I feel a bit disillusioned with the fitness industry because the amount of BS I see out there. Mm. And it's the only way I talk, I'd explain is almost like a bunch of charlatans teaching what they've never done or like there's trainers teaching, not that you necessarily have to be in like world-class shape, but it sort of helps, right? So like, for example, I wouldn't take personal training advice from a personal trainer who's out of shape. I wouldn't take financial advice from someone who's broke. Like the person has to have done the thing you want, which is prerequisite. The other thing I'd look for is the person has to have helped other people. And then they have to have an ability to vaguely explain that in a system. Um, if the person has got those three things, it should be fairly adamant in terms of they know what they're doing. And I think with anything, I would also say that a red flag is if something's very cheap because I'm a big believer and you get what you pay for. So if someone's very good at what they do, then they should charge you appropriately for it, and they will do. Um, if something's very cheap and seems a very good deal, there's probably an issue somewhere with that. And I think how do you find the real people who are good is are they congruent with what they sell? So like a big bugbear for me is like, and I see trainers going out getting drink, like drinking and doing drugs and doing whatever, that's a complete polar opposite of the message of who you should be. So for me, that's not an alignment of values of them and their business. And those people ultimately long-term generally tend to be not be very successful. And having been in the fitness industry a while, there's not many people who you see who've lasted the test of time. A lot of people come and go and fade in and fade out because of that reason. Mm, that's really interesting. I guess health and fitness is a very transparent industry in that regard isn't it like yeah. if someone someone can pretend that they've got millions of pounds in the bank if they're doing like trading or whatever yeah they could obviously show their account but they could just photoshop it whereas it's very hard to meet you at your top off to photoshop you can't do it yeah people just know you're not in, not in shape and they can say oh, i do this kind of training doesn't it doesn't really fly does it i want to talk to you about that relationship between health and business or health and confidence and health and mindset with your actual clients in the sort of b2c yeah. business what is that relationship that you see between a client that comes in, maybe a CEO or a, you know an, an entrepreneur, when they come to you and they're not as confident, not as in great shape, and the transformation that you're able to give them and when they leave, what is that? What happens to them that you see? The the best thing I'd ever say you can see is a smile in their face, like a before photo and after photo. Not that everyone has to submit a photo, but you can see it in people's faces. Just they look like happy, a different person. Because the reality is we all know deep down if you're not happy with where you are right now. And the problem is that too many people, particular men, are afraid to reach out and ask for help. The reason I've managed to change my life multiple times is whenever I get stuck, I'll think the who not how scenario of like, rather than spending 10 years trying to figure this out, who's the person who can solve this problem and ask them to help me. And I think that's where people don't understand that your body is the vehicle you have for life. And if you're, for example, a father and you want to be around to see your kids 
to like get married and like live a long time, it's important you put your health, uh, sorry, health first. If you work in a corporate environment, you be in good shape also helps a lot because people can have more respect for you. Like I automatically have no respect for someone who's not no respect, but I sort of do if someone's very out of shape because that says a lot in terms of like their personal discipline and habits. And if that's what you can't personally look after yourself, how you personally look after your business, look after my money if I give it to you for investment, like what does that say about you as a characteristics person? And that's the beauty of health and fitness is like you being healthy and in good shape. No one else can do that for you, like no matter how much money you have, you actually have to do some of it for yourself. So ultimately with that, you need to be selfish to be selfless and you have to put yourself first to be the greatest version of you to then like lift and help off everyone else around you. Whether that's like the people who work for you that you inspire them or whether it's the kids you have, they look up to you because in particular children are gonna mirror their parents. And there's nothing sad you see when you see kids who are like maybe five or, or younger who are overweight and you look at their parents and the parents are really overweight and you can just see where, what's happened. And that's ultimately the parents' fault whether people want to admit that or not. I completely agree. I think being healthy, not necessarily super fit, healthy in good shape, I think it's the, one of the highest forms of self-respect. And I completely agree that it shows, it, you know, in business it shows consistency, it shows discipline. And then in health side, it shows loads of things. You look after yourself, you look after your family, you know, there's so many things that it works for. I think it's completely, it's, I, I thought you might say that kind of thing and I think it completely resonates with what the listeners will be thinking. Um, I wanted to move the conversation from B2C to B2B. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, and this is really cool, we just talked about misinformation, right? Mm. The cool thing about uh, the Two Comma Club Award, like we said, is it shows that you have had over a million dollars put through a system, which basically counts it, in one year. You did that once, and then you did it in a separate business. And so what I want to know is, what did you learn from the first business to then put into the second business to make it go so quickly and so successfully? Uh, it's interesting you say this because I actually said this on our team meeting earlier on and because this came up even like last three months we've had like exponential growth like probably nearly doubled in size um, and I can almost I can see a problem before it arises just from experience so like operationally I'm like yeah we need another person to come in to fill this hole because that's going to be a big problem and that's when you can get a business to scale really quickly is when you don't have a point of constraint because I can see what's going to come the point of constraint before it gets there and business is just problem solving, right? It's like, what part of the puzzle need do we need to fix and work on right now? And as long as you allocate your recourse, resources and focus in the right area, you'll continue to grow. And for probably pretty much any business or like an online coaching consultancy business, you can have lead generation, sales and fulfillment. Now, where most people tend to get stuck is lead generation and then they can't actually generate leads. Then we get sales. So we've got a sales team, we've got four outbound phone dialers, two closers, I'll take some calls as well. Um, and then we also have, we then got stuck, we were starting to get trouble in terms of fulfillment because we were onboarding so many clients. We've now fixed that as well. So we now go back down the merry-go-round to, we need more leads and we need to sell more people and mm -hmm. then go around. And as you scale your business, you just like roll between those three. And ultimately the job of a business owner and a CEO of a business is literally to be like, okay, this is about to become a problem and a fire. I need to put this out before it even comes out and having a clear vision of where you want to go. I'd also say that I I love the saying, I never understood it until I'm in the position I am now. If everything was taken away from me, I lost all my money, all my social media accounts, everything, and I had to start again, I still have all the skills I have and I have the network of all the people I know. So like within 12 months, could I get another business to make a million pound a year? Easy. 
because I know how to do it all. I know the game and I know all the people. So when you're at that point, I'll give a quote. Um, a mentor of mine, a guy called Craig Ballantyne, I don't know if you know him, he uh, was, I was working for maybe six months, really, really helpful. And I had a point where I was getting really stressed in terms of our fitness business and numbers had dropped a bit. And he said to me, like, you don't need stress. He's like, you're the equivalent of like a ma uh, made man in fitness, like the mafia. It's like, you know him, you know him, you know him, you know him. It's like, you know enough smart people, you figure it out. So just chill out. And I was like, I always really remember that. It's like, I never thought of that analogy. And I think that's where people need to understand, like life is a game of skill acquisition. And once you have the skills, you almost can't lose. It then just comes down to making the right choices and decisions every day. I think that's really, really interesting. I think that is a lot of what the grind is mm. as you're coming up into it's making this. the mistakes. Exactly, yeah. Coming up and being like, okay, I can't just do this from sitting in a bedroom. You've got to go and meet people and make mistakes and mm. failures and then don't hide behind them, own them. Um, so when someone comes into your B2B business, it's mainly for uh, health and fitness people, right? Yeah, the generally, businesses. Yeah. yeah. So when someone comes in and they maybe haven't got that network or they haven't got that following, what are, the, what are the things that they're coming in with the biggest problems that you see? Or maybe just the misconceptions that they actually aren't being held back by, but they think they are. Um, one is that they think they need to have a big following, which mm -hmm. we actually spoke about briefly before yeah. this, that you need to have a big audience. A lot of people with a big audience make no money. Um, two is they don't believe they can charge higher prices for their products, which is a complete fallacy. Uh, and number three is they have no sales skills or ability to sell. Um, I would suggest for anyone who, if you never want to run out of uh, money in your life, learn to sell. Because like you can go into any industry, any different offer and just sell that. Like offer creation sales. You can just keep pivoting as times evolve. I would say those are three things most people struggle with. And one of the most important things, um, if anyone listens to this, you can ask a mentor or someone you respect is, um, what do I believe to be true that isn't? Because everyone has preconceived ideas, like limiting beliefs that are holding them back. And my favorite thing that happened, I said to everyone, that's why I'm just like so passionate about this, <laughs> is that like, it doesn't matter when you sign a first fitness client, if they pay you 3K, 5K, whatever it is, it's not about the money, it's the, f you believe that it could be done. And then they look at me like the man invented fire, cause it's like, <laughs> they, they've gone from selling cheap programs for 100 to 200 pounds monthly to selling high price programs and providing great service. You're then playing a different game. And as I explained to people, it's like, you almost go from being in like, football manager like the conference the champions league because you're playing a whole different level suddenly in terms of financially and when you have money it's then easier to grow a business because you've got resources to build a team you get more time and then the hamster wheel just goes around so it's, it's confidence from day one yeah. isn't it? and i guess there's a lot of strategy in there like offer creation and how, where to get your leads from yeah but a lot of it is uh, yeah. and that's when you mentioned earlier about anxiety and everyone mm. right people rise people are anxious anxious and everyone's like they want to work really hard but on what yeah. So like, if someone could just tell you like, do these two, three things as hard as you can and go all in that, those are the people I love because those are people are successful. And I'm not necessarily overly gifted and talented, but I implement incredibly quickly. So like, for example, I interviewed someone on Friday, uh, an hour later my CEO interviewed him, an hour later we hired him. Same thing on Saturday. Um, like on Saturday, because I came up with the idea, like, we should speak to that person. So I spoke to him straight away in 20 minutes. The other guy interviewed him as well, and it's like, let's send him a contract, let's hire him, done. And like, the quicker you can implement these things, the quicker you can move ahead. Yeah. And this is where so many people get stuck in the weeds in their business. It's like, oh, I'll deal with it on Monday. It's like, if you've got something you need to do, do it right now. Yeah. And I remember one of my dad's um, friends who was super successful, he had a, a thing on his desk that just said, like, do it now. And I was like, that always resonated with me. 
It's so simple. One of the things we say is action gains traction. Yeah. Like it's not like a job, is it, where you put your laptop and close it down at six o'clock in the evening or six thirty, whatever it is. It's like if I can, if I do this now, I'll make money quicker or yeah. I'll make something quicker. Red. Exactly. Red. There is no like weekends in that regard, is there? Um, I wanted to talk to you about the industry itself. So yeah. coaching is the fastest growing industry in the world. Health and fitness will be worth 8.6 trillion by 2027. Unreal numbers, like absolute joke. What can you do differently in 2024 to stand out? And is standing out even necessary, do you think? Uh, I think standing out is, that's a really good question. By the way. I think standing out is definitely necessary. I think one of the things you need to do is actually not follow the crowd. I think actually be yourself. Because what I see, if we just look at social media rather than the strategies, there's too many people are becoming like performing monkeys, all doing the same shit, which is why I mentioned earlier, I'm a bit disillusioned with it. Um, because no one's actually like being themselves and being transparent. Like if you just document who you are, like actually Gary Vee says it, and I, I, I did this for a long time. Like um, you don't create your document or the other way around. Like just document who you are and show the journey exactly of what, what you do. Yeah, yeah. And that's literally the process because then you're actually showing the truth of like this is what we do guys this is how we help people this is what i do personally like come be aligned with me and that's any potential client customer you have we spoke about values earlier people buy people with similar values so why a lot of fitness trainers like working with me as well from a business aspect i'm really passionate about fitness as well i love training love working out it's like i train with them sometimes like you you have that and people buy into you that's what you need because like the other thing actually russell brunson would say is you also need to be this aspirational character at like the front of the business. Like you're the hero people look mm -hmm. up to, right? You're the person like they want to be. So the more you can be like that, the better. It doesn't mean that you have to look like Channing Tatum or whoever, I don't know, or The Rock or whatever. Like you could be like the inspirational dad, you could be the inspirational mom, like whoever it is you help, like that's really the avatar because no matter who you are, someone will look up to you for something you've done. And those are the type of people you need to work with because you're relatable, isn't it? You buy from the person who's most relatable too. Yeah, not, not necessarily the most knowledgeable. So like, yeah. for example, I wouldn't go most knowledgeable, uh, maybe someone like Lane Norton or Andrew Huberman, but I don't find either them relatable because they don't um, express things in an easily digestible form in terms of language. Yeah. But if you went to someone who like, yeah, I like the way he looks, he has a really cool lifestyle, seems really nice guy, uh, it seems fun, like, he'd be a good fit to work with. Yeah. Exactly. So a good example would be we're both from the south of England. Yeah. right? So if I had zero followers on Instagram and you had 10,000, I would go to you because it's completely relatable mm. and it's also not too far away. Mm. I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to pay someone who's got a million followers in, in New York. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. relatable enough, is it? It doesn't make sense. I don't think that I can get there. Um, I want to ask you about how you got over that fear. You mentioned earlier of posting online. People started to say, you know, take the mick out of you and yeah, say, what are you doing? Good question. How did you get over that? Um, so people actually ask me this now and I was like, who are actually more advanced trainers and they're like, and I'll be quite bl blunt and I was like, um, like, oh, I don't like posting, I don't like making content. It's like, well, good, like enjoy being poor because the reality <laughs> is like, if you want to have an online business and you want to have stuff on social media, you kind of have to do that. So what I would recommend to everyone is just start. And don't worry about anything be perfect. Like we spoke about your podcast at the beginning, like it was a bit ropey at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Mine are fucking terrible. Yeah. Like the first fitness podcast I did, I remember I used to have a shed office in my garden. And I remember like sitting there with a microphone. I was like, this is the weirdest thing. I'm talking to myself on a microphone. There's no one else here. Um, and 
you just have to get over it and you get used to it. And it's feedback loop. Once you get some positive stuff, it, it's good. I'd say the best way most people can get over that fear, and I recommend this to everyone, is talk on your Instagram stories on a video every day. Mm. Because it doesn't matter. Because it's going to come off after 24 hours. So you can just say whatever you want. If it comes off, you're cool. And you eventually get used to talking on camera. I remember the first time I even did a YouTube video, someone stuck a camera in front of my face. And I was like, what am I supposed to say? Whereas now I can just free ball and you just go into it. But it's like anything. You're not going to be good at something you've never done before. And it's going to take a certain amount of reps there. And actually, Alex Hormozzi says, it's like 20 hours, you can get pretty competent at anything. So you spend 20 hours filming and making content, you're probably going to be passable to be good enough. Yeah. I like that. Just get started, isn't it? Action, contraction again. As I saw something this week, um, you know, when Cortez landed in the Americas in like the 1500s yeah. and he burned all the boats and he was like, either we take America or the Americas, I think it was Mexico, yeah. or we die because we've got no boats to get back. It's almost like that seems really aggressive and that's the same, you know, yeah. entrepreneurship is war we were talking about earlier. But it's the same thing. If you just start doing it and just say, what, I'm not going to care. for What's the, the other choice? Exa exactly. A final question for you is if I took away everything plus half a million plus follows you've got on Instagram, other places, whatever. I know you've still got the knowledge. What would you do? As in business or if I wanted to, if I wanted to do the same businesses again? Yeah. Uh, if I was going to start again and do exactly the same businesses, I would start making viral content on Instagram. I would, here's a hack for anyone, I would buy an old account from someone else in the US that was like someone's dog account. Because if you have an old account that's aged, it's much easier to go viral. So I'd buy that from them. I would then focus on making something super viral and start making viral content to get that, get traction and build followers on that. I would then outbound message every single person who follows me and start selling them programs and get them on the phone and some stuff. Simplicity in terms of a, any coaching business online, you do two things to make money is you book calls, you close calls. I'd already have the ability to book calls, I already have the ability to close calls, so that's fine. So I just need the carrot at the front with the viral content to pull people in. I can figure out the fulfillment afterwards. Um, another hack I'd also say for people with that, that anyone listening to this who might be in the UAE, what you also need to be using on social media accounts is what's called a GPS spoofer. And this would change the location of your GPS on your phone. So if you have an Instagram account and you live in the UAE, um, it will move your account to the UAE algorithm, which will harm it in terms of getting shown to an English-based audience. Mm. So I'd make sure I had a GPS spoofer when I bought this American account from someone's dog account or whatever it was. Um, I would try and blow that up, just outbound message people, get them on calls. I would do that. And then also LinkedIn, because LinkedIn has um, a much higher income user base. I could sell much higher um, cost programs on that. Once I had some money come in, I'd then hire a coach to give him the fulfillment and then the merry-go-round be off. And the thing is about that, like this whole podcast, that sounds simple. Mm. It's harder said than done and people won't even do it. But this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much, Charlie. It's been an absolute pleasure and there's so much that we can take away here and learn from someone that's been there and done it. Thank you very much. Really, really enjoyed it.